This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Referee, referee, whistle, 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 referee. Ha! There we go, there we go, lovely. Well done, Villa. Come on, let's go. Three points in the back. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for an extra special episode where we get to celebrate... History being made. No, no, no. The first away points of the season. That's the first thing. That's Uh the first thing. In the most unlikely of places, only Everton have got a better home record, but uh, it is important to pick up away points. So joining me to discuss our triumphant return from Old Trafford, uh, all the way from the Monaco of the UK, (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Why are you the Monaco of the UK? That's all part of the master plan. Monaco is like a, a tax haven. That's like a, a gateway to places coming in. So now with everybody over in the mainland there suffering fuel shortages, we've no problem. We'll just charge a tariff and charge a tariff and you can have it. So uh, you, you, you'll be living in a castle soon. So hopefully you'll set up a podcast studio there so we can all yeah. uh, move over and uh, record it there. Get a plantation going like rapeseed, make the make petal out of it. Hemp, hemp. That's the future. <laughs> Also joining us, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello. How you doing? Mr. Percussion, shall I say. Thank you. Mr. Percussion and D- Digbeth by the videos I've been seeing. Yeah, it was good, that one. It was a good show. Didn't really think much of that DJ shirt, though. Well. <laughs> Bit of a Burton's job, if you ask me. The look these days, apparently. Luke or Burton's? No, more Burton's than Luke, I think, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but don't forget Mom's 20 for the Burton's discount code. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, coming up in the show, oh, we're going to love this one. We're going to, uh, it's, it's almost like we're in a bath of uh, smug and insufferable. Smug, bubbles, champagne, oysters. We're, we're, we're going to be uh, enjoying this victory over those United uh, bastards. Uh, consummate victory as well well executed deservedly as well uh, there was there, there was no smash and grab about this this was superior footballing team coming to another team's patch and just just taking the three points and wandering off into the sunset that's how i see it also in the show we uh, Catch up on the latest Villa news, uh, the three points. Check out the latest Media Muppet of the Week. There's also there's always so much to choose from in terms of Media Muppet of the Week. Before uh, getting into uh, the business, the meat and gravy of the show, uh, the Manchester United game. Oh, yeah, before we get on, I just, just, just had an email, actually, literally, as we were starting the show. There's always breaking news, isn't it, when we're recording this bloody podcast? <laughs> yep. Well, I don't know if this is really I mean, breaking. this isn't quite so global, although... It's... This is breaking news uh, with a Nigerian heritage, uh, I would throw yeah. in. The irony of this is I've got sent an email 
discussing uh, our pronunciation of a certain player, and now I'm I'm going to have to stick my neck above the parapet here to pronounce uh, the name of the guy who sent it to me, and uh, he's going to have to send me another email to shoot me down on the pronunciation of his own name. But here we go. Anyway, this is an email from uh, Abina Nawusu. Fingers crossed that pronunciation's right. Hello, I love the podcast. It is the only one I listen to religiously, and it makes my commute to and from work so much more enjoyable. I have to say, as someone also of Nigerian descent, and with a brother who is actually named Amika, you gentlemen used to be the only podcast getting Carney's name pronunciation correct. Sounds like we've regressed, boys, since our halcyon days Uh-oh. when we could when we could pronounce names right. Now it has reversed as others have corrected themselves while the mom's crew are now the ones consistently saying it incorrectly. Well, I think you've answered your own uh, dilemma there because uh, we don't run with the pack. We don't we don't go with the mainstream. As soon as everybody else started pronouncing it correctly, once they followed our lead, we decided, well, we're going to uh, we're going to start saying it differently now. Because if you go left, we'll go right. <laughs> yeah, so it's not our fault. We just don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be uh, we're plowing our own lane. Yeah, we don't want to be hamstrung by what others do and how others copy us. So uh, this is how he's, he said. Chupku Moeka. To, to be honest, I mean, I, I don't remember pronouncing it correctly in the first place. You, you're giving no, us, you're giving us too much credence there. Until Carney himself comes out and says everyone's been getting it wrong, we're fine. Now we've 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 been down this road before with old Connor Hurihin. And uh, we we're calling him Connor Horahan. Then he came out with this: people pronounce my name wrong. But you know, Phil Shaw says over in the Monaco of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you pronounce it in the principality isn't it yeah people have been pronouncing it horahan anyway so uh you know he's, he's there are certain people who who uh get all particular about how to pronounce their name and also there's like you know it's like the andy cole thing like when when people get to a certain age they think oh i'm mature now so i don't want to be called andy i want to be called andrew and you know i've got friends like that who've done that oh i know i'm not called that anymore i'm called you know blah 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 like the full the full version of my name you can now refer to me as Christopher. It's like, yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're, let's see how this one pans out. Put it this way, if he becomes a first-team regular, then we'll uh, make more of an effort. But you highlighted a very important point. The pronunciation was correct at the start. Oh, that's all we're interested in is being first. So, you know. That's the name of the game. Once you pass the line, you slow down. That's, Everyone that's, else is second over the finish line then. There's no points for second place. We're we're on the podium. We're collecting the medal. We don't care what happens after. This is could be an extended intro. This one. So remember that guy gave us a review because we didn't mention Aston Villa until thirty minutes into the show. He might be up again, uh, giving us another two star review for not mentioning Villa for the first uh, thirty minutes. Uh, well, let's 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 try to tie it into Villa because uh, the interesting thing is we are the next up. We are off to. Uh, the Tottenham Hotspur new stadium and uh, not even uh, AJ uh, managed to win a a title at uh, the new Tottenham Hotspur stadium. It's very Spursy. Very, very Spursy indeed. Uh, And like Spurs against Arsenal, he got his ass kicked. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big Usyk fan and have been uh, following him for a good few years now and the rhetoric of oh AJ's too big blah 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 it was like yeah if if he tries to hit, blitz him out there and, and gets nasty but Usyk's a you know he's 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 another level he's like one of the best fucking movers at let's say a, a bigger weight range I've, I've I've ever seen and I think boxing's ever seen and he actually schooled him he, he you know handed his ass to him basically the the funny thing was when somebody said oh you had him troubled you know do you think you could have knocked him out and he said well my corner men told me not to knock him out because it was upsetting my rhythm. And it was like, you know, it's like, I sh- you know, it's like I could have, but I showed mercy. Kind of like the Villa at Man United, frankly. We, c- we could have killed him off in the first half, but we thought, <laughs> nah, we'll leave it until the last two minutes. Yeah, Ollie Watkins was thinking, yeah, I could finish these chances I've had, but uh, well, I'm going to leave it to somebody uh, who's making his first start of the season, Courtney Horse. Let's, let's share the love around. Absolutely. In that build-up to that fight, and we're not going to labour on this, but in that build-up of the fight, and it's just it just sounds like somebody who's talking about sweet science and blah, blah, blah. Somebody who's only recently, after his first defeat, started talking about boxing and trying to make out he was the real deal and it wasn't about brand AJ. And I, you oh. know, I, I think I, I like the guy. I think he's a, he's a decent guy, but it's just mm. he's overthinking it, and he thinks he's better than he is. And I listened to a lot of the interviews before the Usyk fight, and he really didn't 
sound like he knew what he was going in against. He hardly said anything about Usyk. It was almost like it was just another bum to uh, knock out. And I thought, oh, he slimmed down as well. This looks like he's going to try to uh, try to outbox Usyk, and that's kind of he's just dug his own fucking grave there. Mm. Quick rematch, you'll you'll get the fucking same treatment. That's the end of his career. Yeah, well, Brand AJ, if if anybody's picking up the new FIFA this week, you actually start the game. You don't start the game playing football. You start the game as an influencer at Paris Saint Germain Stadium, and you're brushing shoulders with AJ and Lewis Hamilton. So he's concentrating. Shit, on it. I know it's just that's enough to make you go. Nah, I'm not going to bother this year. In other sporting news, the Bears won the country championship, which I still can't understand, Chris Bud, why we were recording something for the weekend, the last episode, when I could have just gone around the corner and watched uh, the Bears Silverware win. being lifted in the yeah, sunshine. The last, yeah. the last hot day of the year. The, the penny didn't really drop, you know, as you were and telling me. it was me, free. <laughs> was it? Yeah, oh, it was free. Oh, now you fucking tell me. Like, the last like, two days were free. A week later, you'd fucking tell me, and it's literally <laughs> around the corner. Now you're telling me it's free, for fuck's sake. Yeah, they did, they did really well. Why didn't you fucking tell me? I did say. <laughs> if, if there's free entertainment round the corner, silverware being lifted, I'd rather do that than speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I can't believe that, actually. If I knew it was free, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. You'd have been dialing into this podcast. It'd just be beep. I'd have done it from the stands in Edgebaston. Nice there, isn't it? Up on the up on the sky t- sky uh, skyline terrace. Are we up to half an hour yet? I'm, I still uh, want to. I'm getting close. <laughs> I still want to get that two star review. Keep going. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into some news, uh, shall we? Talk about uh, ooh, uh, panic petrol buying, or uh, shall we talk about the villa news? Please, just let's just go with the villa news. I think. Personally, loves loves to be centre stage. He does, doesn't he? What, what was he coming out of this time? He was coming out of, obviously, like an FA meeting about the, this biannual World Cup thing, just shooting it down resoundingly under the premise of, like, player... Um, it's all about player welfare. It was, like, outside some London hotel or, or whatever. As they always are. I think scarcity makes things very valuable and every four years feels about right to me. Much more interested in the fact that next season, when we... Playing an equally crazy idea, which is a Winter World Cup, we won't see any Premier League football in at the peak of our, of our season between November and December, which is also you know, something that people are going to have to get used to. But um, these decisions that get taken a long time ago, they bite quite soon. Next season, we'll, uh, we'll all see that. I always have concerns about player welfare, but, uh, but I have more concerns for our fans missing Premier League football for, for five weeks in, in the winter, which is our great national tradition and our great national heritage yeah the world cup four years to biannual i mean it's, it's got to stay four years i know everybody wants to make money by having as many games possible but it is getting to the point where i'm even believing the uh player welfare uh, excuse because mm. the whole resting them for cup games in the domestic season uh, player welfare i don't actually buy into because uh, go back to when men were men in the in the 90s backwards uh You'd play your full strength team in, in in cup games and nobody would be moaning, would they? Or if you were fit, you played. Yeah, exactly. Now Whatever the game. Mm-hmm. Especially with the advancements in sports science. Anyway, we're digressing from the World Cup. Uh, World Cup, four years, every four years or every two years? Every four, like minimum. Yeah, minimum. <laughs> Maybe push it back more. <laughs> yeah. uh, in other news, uh, Villa's game against the Saints has been brought forward to Friday night. So unfortunately for away fans, that's a bit of a bitch of a Friday night trip down to uh, St. Mary's. On but, fireworks uh, night, no less. Yeah, so uh, maybe take some pyro in your back pocket just to uh, <laughs> just to liven the night up. We're, we're there celebrating the United win. It's all good. But then you see Villa's social media. And this is a dis- disparity between football and marketing and people in marketing not actually being football fans or Villa fans per se. But I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on their website. Celebrating Villa's win at Old Trafford as a famous win. Now, excuse me, but we've beaten Manchester United in an FA Cup final, a League Cup final, and we used to beat them, believe it or not, <laughs> regularly. Reasonably <laughs> regularly, even in like the Premier League era. You know, we yeah. you know, this we we are a club that started this godforsaken league back in the day. We've won the European Cup. Now beating Manchester United away is not a famous win, is it? 
No, it's getting a hoodoo off your back. Hilarious win, maybe. So they should reframe that. They should be calling it a famous win. It's too small time. So we'll we'll have words with the club about that because that's not the message we're putting forward. Wasn't it? Well, certainly wasn't the message Smith put forward either after the game. He said, you know, it's not as much as the win is great. He said it's all about the performance here. We came here and we we took it to them. Well, we'll talk about the game later, but yep. this is no famous win. This is the first of many. I venture. Meanwhile, uh, Aston Villa's women's team uh, must be getting a fucking nosebleed at the moment because uh, <laughs> they're up to third. <laughs> they won again, way win against Brighton, up to third in the table. And uh, God knows what's going on there. I mean, they had a massive revamp uh, after just escaping relegation on the last day of last season. Mm. Sounds familiar. So uh, let's let's <laughs> let's see what happens there. But some crazy results because you know the likes of Manchester United getting tonked six one, wasn't it against Chelsea and Arsenal battered Man City five nil. And Manchester City, have, uh, I thought they were like the the gold mark of women's football teams because they you know they've got all these internationals mm. and getting whacked five nils pretty embarrassing but yeah keep tabs on uh, Villa women's team I think I mean just from what we've seen so far I'm thinking mid-table yeah they won't be in you'd like to think they won't be in any trouble although it's a big one I think next weekend they play Arsenal at Villa Park yeah. so big opportunity for them to play obviously in the main stadium right let's move on to uh, my favourite part of the show the media Muppets <laughs> So, what's in the Media Muppets trough this week, Mr. Phil Shaw? Well, this week it's a step up, Mr. Shane Callahan on HITC, which no, I thought was a, I no, thought it was I a told br- you, I told you never to mention HITC. I thought this was a branded mobile phone. I didn't know it was a website, so it just appeared. And HITC, and we shouldn't really be plugging it. These were the original clickbait motherfuckers that I, that really boiled my blood. <laughs> Here in the city, some kind of, I don't know, finance company that thought, oh, you know, they got they obviously got some SEO guy in and thought, oh, we, you know, we can make money by just doing websites and all kinds of sports and, uh, you know, all, all the main things and just uh, go clickbait-tastic. But the sad thing is about, I mean, I'm sorry to uh, interrupt you, Phil. The sad thing is these people only exist because idiots out there click on it. Don't click on, if you see HTC on News Now or whatever it is, do not click on it. Anyway, sorry. The headline was, some Aston Villa fans are sick over what they've seen from 16 million Smith signing. And I went, oh shit, what has somebody done this time? Have have they been like, uh, you know, we've had in the past, we've had drink driving, we've had much, much worse going on. So I think, oh, somebody's done something really bad. But when I, unfortunately, when I clicked on it, I should learn my lesson. It was a piece on Morgan Sanson having to come off injured. But there was a couple of dramatic paragraphs in the middle of this. And Mr. Callahan went on to say, is Morgan Sanson injured? It's too early to say, but yes, it does seem certain that Sanson is injured. Ooh. Uh, hmm. wonder, wonder, wonder where he got that idea from. Probably from him crying and limping off and walking the down limp the tunnel. always gives it away, doesn't it? This is not Dostoevsky, is it? No, it's not, but he went on. He goes, <laughs> and remember, Chelsea have a Champions League winning squad, so the fact that Sanson was impressing is indicative of his talent, making his injury issues all the more tragic. He's, he's went there with tragic. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not that stage yet. I mean, Chris said his career was on the line, but I don't think him That's coming off could, at half time. <laughs> was, was tragic <laughs> career defining tra- game uh, so i mean they managed to get a whole article out of something which you know you know anybody else could have done a tweet it was oh Sanson's tweet something has had to come off that's it you know full stop game over to, to be honest this is the least of the hitc crimes i mean mm. it, it's like how do you wake up in the in the morning and and this is your line of business just to create some site that nobody needs we we don't need this shit in our lives it's superfluous but the fact that it's there and people click on it, it you know, it's it's just like we're just everybody's wasting time it's like you know you don't get that much time on this planet everybody's wasting time right on to the three points uh, number one as some listeners will know, there is a fan-led uh, governmental review into the governance of football at the moment. And one thing that's popped up on the radar of the uh, Tracy Crouch-led review, uh, Conservative MP Tracy Crouch, is drinking alcohol in seats at football grounds, which has been banned since 1985. In this country, anyway. I mean, I've... I've been abroad. We've been, we both have, and you can drink in stands, can't you? Yeah, I've been overseas, and people deliver you beers uh, in you know football you know, in Germany and, you know, in other sports, uh, you can drink in, in, in your seats. But the review seems to be leaning, according to the Times newspaper, 
is leaning towards the fact that this uh, recommendation that this should be looked at and alcohol should be allowed at seats. I mean, it is a weird thing. It's the law stricter letter is alcohol is not allowed to be uh, consumed within view of the pitch. You're not even allowed it in a box, are you? That's the bizarre thing. Yeah, so, and also, I think it's Norwich that has a hotel that overlooks the uh, pitch. And if you're in the room that overlooks the pitch, it's like in the corner, I think. You're not allowed to drink in your hotel room while the game is on. Yeah, Norwich fans need a bit of drink at the minute when the game's on. (laughs) It's the only way they're going to get through this season. (laughs) To be honest, I would recommend heroin for this season if you're a Norwich fan. (laughs) What's that drug that we were talking about the other week that's that's 100 times more powerful than morphine? Graham Fentanyl. (laughs) Fentanyl, yeah, Graham Fentanyl. For Norwich fans, I would recommend Fentanyl for the rest of this season, just to get through it. Yeah, ditch your Coleman's mustard and get some Fentanyl. (laughs) I'm so glad we got that into this show somehow. (laughs) Problem is, you know, there are. You got to admit there are idiots uh, involved in going to watch football. So, but this is something you've got to self-police, I think. But you know, everybody should be able to sip a drink while they're watching a game. Unfortunately, you know, you, th- you see things from like the Euros back in the summer and the, you know, the previous World Cup where whenever you'd see England score, pints just get launched everywhere. And I think there'd be some who would be conscious of that not happening in the stand. Yeah, I mean, we, we live in the world where, where the idiots spoil it for the rest of us. And that, that is the problem. And uh, Which the Germans seem to do it okay, don't they? Mainly yeah, the Germans have a culture of actually drinking their beer. They don't want to waste good beer. Can't imagine it would be, yeah, can't imagine the beer would be cheaper to stadium. Well, no. this is, that's another thing, you know, if you're going to pay, uh, you know, silly pounds for, uh, you know, Heineken or whatever, you, you know, you don't want to be thrown away. Anyway, uh, point number two, uh, Wolves have become, and this is completely left field, I'm still trying to work this out this in so my random. head. Wolves have become the first football club to start their own record label. They've teamed up with uh, Warner Music UK's Alternate Distribution Alliance. Is this the music industry so desperate now that uh, they're on their knees to like uh, left field ideas from football clubs like Wolverhampton Wanderers? I think this is Wolves left field. I think Warners are going, thank you for the money. Cheers for this. So, well, they've paid some kind of upfront fee. Well, if it's a, if it's a label services deal, Wolves will be paying for those services depending on you know the nature of the deal. Um so they basically, yeah, basically got a joint venture with ADA, which is Warner Music's label services department. So it's not actually, it won't be Warner's doing the the A&R, the creative or any of that stuff. So Wolves will have a label manager come in or they'll probably have like consultants and, and various. So what's what's their end game on this? Is it like to encourage like local? There's uh... a little bit of that. And I think they want, it's just alternative global engagement, but they're trying to dip into a market. You know, they're not a dominant force in football, let alone yeah. in music. I, I get why someone like, you know, a Man United would or some, you know, someone with real power. And also they've got star quality within their fan base Yeah, um, to better pull on. Or in you know, Man City, have got heavyweight music people that they can lean on to give it a bit of gravitas. But I just think with the Wolves, it's... Well, if Wolves if Wolves kept that aspiring rapper Courtney Hawes and didn't didn't ah, uh, yes. didn't transfer him to Villa, they they might have had like a poster boy for their new record label, scoring winners <laughs> at Old Trafford and some such thing. But they dro- they've dropped a bollock there. I don't know how yeah. you say that in French, but they've dropped a bollock there. Moon <laughs> bollock. It's just a really strange sort of gimmicky deal. I don't I don't necessarily see the end game. I don't. I just think it's. A bit like you know, when football clubs want to go into esports, it's just another little bolt on to what they do. And it's about, you know, I think their argument is we have a big global fan base, which I think is debatable if it's that big. But in the general school of thought, they have a big, in theory, big catchment that you can promote to. Let, let me ask you one question just to end the discussion on this okay. Wolves record label. Is Wolves launching their own record label going to stop us taking three points off them at Villa Park next is it month? Fuck? Exactly. <laughs> Point number three. This is uh, a more random one. Uh, involves uh, complicated names to pronounce, as per usual. <laughs> Change. <laughs> this is the scourge of this goddamn podcast. <laughs> just it's just complicated spelling. If you pronounce it, it's actually it's fine. <laughs> oh well, over to you, Phil Shaw. Yeah. Uh, well, Point number three. Yeah. Well, this this started as an amusing story about the vice president of Suriname, which is a country in Africa. Um, Ronnie Brunswick playing himself for the team he owns in the CONACAF equivalent of the Europa League. So you've, we've heard these stories before where some guy just says, right, I, I have all the power, I own the team, play me. You know, give me squad number 61, which is what he got there, and, you know, give yeah. me 20 minutes here. So on he comes 
place in a 6-0 defeat for his team, Inter Muangatapo. But it has taken a bit of a turn because they found video footage um, after the match of him going into the opposition changing rooms and basically handing out brown envelopes to the opposition team and coming out with a shirt from the other club. So the matter is now being referred to the CONACAF Disciplinary Committee, who will commence a formal investigation, and an update will be provided when the process is concluded. So, sorry, what were you trying to say, that he bought their shirts? I've no idea what he was doing. I mean, <laughs> maybe he was paying them off for only losing 6-0, but... <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it's not as if he's bribing to win games or anything. They just, got a, they just took a beating. Something's going on. So uh, anyway, so in the second half of this season for Villa, where's Persley going to be playing? What position? I, well, I th- originally I thought up top because he was, you know, he, he likes. No, all he's the- not a target man, is he? Oh, he li- he's like a fox in the box. He likes all. The- he likes the camera on him. <laughs> nah, that, that means he's like a number six, isn't he? he? Wants everything going. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Through him. Right, uh, well, as we discussed on the uh, something for the weekend, uh, we, we, we were in a position, I mean, I mentioned it when I said, oh, I was at. Uh, the Old Trafford game at 2009. I mean, I've, I've been there since and, you know, seen some beatings. But uh, the fact that you you would actually say I was there at a game uh, where United, uh, Villa beat United uh, was a hint that this isn't really going kind of right for us. But going into the game, I mean, we, were, we weren't really expecting anything because the last three games, Bruno Fernandes has had a penalty. And every time we've had some ascendance, we've always had a wings clipped against them and the ref's given a penalty and uh, you know the story. The football gods don't like Villa beating Manchester United. So going into the game, the only difference really from what we've been doing is uh, Twinsaby obviously uh, can't play against his parent club. Courtney Hawes is drafted in for his first game of the season. Now we're, we're playing this uh, 3-5-2 and the interesting thing is, you know, you, you've got one of your main boys, Leon Bailey, injured, but he's not going to be able to play in this formation anyway which uh Buendia is like a 50 50 in this formation depends what you want to go for and interestingly Grealish wouldn't really fit in this formation unless you played him at the the kind of ahead of the midfield behind the uh, forward or as one of uh you know the front two so this is the thing that a lot of people miss you know the whole debate about oh Villa you know post Grealish this team was exactly the same as last season. The only difference was Ings instead of Grealish. And, you know, people are going, oh, Villa have bought well and, uh, you know, it's a different team and blah, blah. They've bought well after Grealish. Well, actually, it's pretty much the same team as last season without Grealish. When people would say Villa can't do anything without Grealish, the only difference is we had Ings, you know, playing instead of Grealish. That's the context of it. I don't, don't know if you have any anything to say about that at this stage. Well, l- looking into it, um, it seems to be that the 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, depending on how optimistic you are, what it's doing is it's stopping other teams getting shots on target against Villa. So to skip ahead in this match, I mean, United had 28 efforts on goal, but 
um, to bring out our old friend um, expected goals again. This is the time when expected goals actually, if you use it in a broad stroke, you can see something because United, had they not won the late penalty, they would have finished with a lower expected goals than Villa from only seven attempts. So it's not something that you didn't know from your own eyes if Villa had the clear cut chances, but still the formation is doing something right because it's learned 28 shots, but they're from places where they shouldn't really threaten the keeper. But the interesting thing is about this formation, if you ask the average pessimistic Villa fan, we're going three three centre-backs. First thing they're thinking, and, and I'll be guilty of this uh, when we, we lined up against Chelsea, is this is really, let's not, you know, let's not mess around here. This is really a 5-3-2. But against Chelsea and then against United, even though, we, you know, we haven't got the most possession, we are creating, against United, we created the, the proper chances. So how how has this happened? Why why is this actually working as a three five two and not a five three two? Because when we've played this previously, it's more of a five three two, isn't it? It's we are on yeah. the back foot and we, and it's basically you know all hands to the pumps in defence. But for some reason this time we are actually against the best teams in this goddamn land, creating the better chances. So w- what is the fundamental uh, reason why this is actually working for us offensively? For me, in a word, it's bravery. Simple as. I, th- I just think we're, we're, we're braver in possession. I think previously, especially now when you looked at it sort of in the, the early 2020 era, you know, when we were sort of you know going to Leicester in the Cup and playing through at the back, etc., in that little era, it, as you said, it was a back five. You had full backs, but they weren't crossing the halfway line. Now they're bombing on. So you've got a midfield five when you've got the ball. You've got a back five when you haven't. They're getting up and down. I think cash gives you energy. I think target is willing to get forward. I, th- I still think there's more to come from them both in the attacking third. But it gives us a different way of playing. And I think it helps our midfield guys not get outnumbered quite so much. And it gives them that extra option. It gives us natural width. Whereas I think when you play a front three like an Algarzi or a Traore, you get width, but you also you leave lots of gaps. Yeah. I mean, I think the main benefactor of, of this system in, in terms of personally is, I think, Matty Cash so far. The one who's embraced it and has actually shown improvement upon what he did last season. Yep. No coincidence, he scores his first goal against Everton and against United. I mean, he created a, he put it on a silver platter for old uh, Target, who uh, perhaps should have done better. And that was the first statement of intent. And you just see this is a guy that's a winger that's transitioned to a fullback. And you now, that, that the concept of the wingback actually suits, perfect for him. suits him perfectly. Yep. And uh, Target, you, you could argue, uh, I think once. He has the attributes for it to suit him as well as you, as you said, Chris. Uh, yeah, he's somebody that perhaps it will come to him more. Well, because you've got natural width and you're playing two up front, it means we said it in the previous show. People like Ramsey, Louise, McGinn, your midfield three, who by the way on the day were superb. I thought to a man, they they normally have a forward pass on. Whereas in previous, you know, in seasons. You've had a vote, like a, a single focal point to attack, and if you if your wing backs aren't getting involved. You, you never have the overlap. You never overload the opposition, which we managed to do. You know, it was infinite times in the first half where Matty Cash had, you know, Luke Shaw pinned back. Luke Shaw didn't get forward all that often. Yeah. And obviously ended up going off going off injured. Um, and it meant that the Villas midfield three could actually put pressure on McTominay and Fred, who I remember we said a couple of seasons back now when we went there and drew the first season. Was that the two all? The two all. We said at that point, and I think those two played that day as well, we said, well, they wouldn't get in our team. Yeah, yeah, we do. And I stand by that now. Yep. Those two would not play ahead of our midfield. Now, they've got, you know, Pogba. And further forward, you look at their front four of, you know, it was Pogba, Greenwood, Ronaldo, and um, Fernandez. Those four are world-class players. But those two who were sitting and meant to be mopping up and protecting back Manu's back four, who, frankly, I don't think is actually a very good back four. You can see why Chelsea, City, Liverpool are ahead of them at the moment. But we could we could get onto them. We, they, they invited our attacking players onto them. And I think yeah. we knew very early... Actually, we're in we're in business here. Sitting back and defending isn't going to be the way to go today. And I think that's the thing. It's bravery, Smith's decisions tactically, our outlook. When we went to Chelsea, we were brave. We didn't finish our chances, but we were brave. Old Trafford, we were brave. We frankly should have scored two, three, four before we even actually got the, the winner. You know, I've said it on previous podcasts. The reason why United aren't going to lift the title this season, and quote me on it, is because their defensive side of their game is not all that. And that's what Smith 
identifying it. So let's get at them because yep. you've got to aim yourself at the weakest link of this team. And if you want to sit back and play a 5-3-2, you're playing into the hands of what they're strong at. Now, interestingly, watching the game early doors, I was watching Ronaldo's movement. Ronaldo was hanging off. He wasn't getting inside the 18-yard box. He was hanging back. He was looking for that second ball, you know, like a rebound off the shot and pouncing on. He was staying away from Villa's back three and he was almost trying to get into their minds that he wasn't a threat and uh, he was coming in from very deep and I was thinking this is a bit ominous he's going to pop up in space because Villa's uh, back three would have switched off but he, be- he he almost became inconsequential to the game and the reason the main reason why Villa uh, sorry United uh, failed to uh, put us to the sword was Greenwood just seemed to refuse to pass. He was he was in situations <laughs> where he was just uh, tunnel vision. When he could have laid it once, he could have laid it back to uh, Fernandez. There was another time he could have passed to Ronaldo, who were in better positions. And uh, it was almost naivety in his game that uh, played into our hands. Could be that the other United forwards, that mean, the, the sheer presence of Ronaldo there, they're all under pressure to like justify their place in the team, to be able to, to play yeah. alongside him. It's like he wants to be you know, putting numbers up, like we used to say, to say that no, I deserve to play with Ronaldo because Ronaldo's not getting dropped no matter what anybody says. Yeah, no, totally. I think that's a very valid point, actually. He feels like he has to earn his keep to stay in there and ultimately that's uh, to the detriment of the team. Possibly. I mean, I, mean, I, I actually like Greenwood as a player. I think, he's, I think he's a cracking player, but I just think it's those two lads in the middle of the park. For the McTominay and Fred, for where Man U want to be, they need... You've got to upgrade there. Uh, speaking of uh, upgrades of midfield, which is something that uh, a certain section of Villa fans have been crying out for, pinpointing like the likes of Douglas Louise and even McGinn. And, you know, we've put question marks on McGinn. The fun thing here is it's almost like Smith has heard this and he's thought, well, I'll just play Ramsey just to wind them up even more because <laughs> yeah. Because they'll think they'll, you know, we must upgrade on Ramsey. And, we, and that was the big debate in the summer transfer window was we need to upgrade this midfield. But that midfield, I thought, was uh, has been in this within this formation has been bang on. I thought Louise was so balanced. Louise was fantastic against United. His delivery was fantastic. The through ball to Watkins after that little uh, flick from Ings. Watkins, I think, was missing a bit of uh, snap and uh, confidence in his finishing because you know that that's one he could have put in on another day. And then obviously uh, Louise delivered the set piece, uh, the corner that. Scored from, and he's got that. I mean, that right, right foot whipped in ball is 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 in those early days when he scored against Bournemouth. He scored his other long range. It's almost the same uh, same motion that that corner was. You know, the, the way he shoots. Yes, and he looks to be on free kick duty now as well. And it's good quality. I, I, mean, I mean, I've always really liked Louise. We've always just said you just need to get get the best out of him, and he's a cracking player. And I think since he's come back from the Olympics, I think obviously you know, he's come back a winner. You know, he's obviously got the med around his neck and I think he's got that little bit of swagger in his play. And I think we've probably found a system that allows him, McGinn, and the fact that they've got Ramsey in there who gives them both a little bit of extra energy yeah. probably helps probably helps them both. They they just seem to complement each other quite well. And to be honest, you're looking on the bench at Buendia thinking, you know, we've spent a lot of money on him, but you, at the moment <laughs> you're probably going to play Ramsey <laughs> over him. What a problem to have. And, uh, you know, if, if Bailey was fit, he would have, I, I th- pretty much think he would have started on the bench. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, tactically, yeah. I mean, it was a brave move, wasn't it? You know, sort of five minutes to go when you're bringing off Ramsey and you're going with Archer. I mean, that is a positive move. And that's brave to bring, you know, one academy player off for an even, you know, a younger one. You know, big step up. It showed that Smith still thought with five minutes to go, do you know what, we can go and win this. And I think if Bailey had been on the bench, I think you'd have found Bailey on on the on the pitch. Oh, yeah, point. 100%. It was a good move. I mean, an illogical move, as we said in Match Club, when uh, Buendia came on for uh, Ings. I mean, Ings was almost, I think Ings had like 14 touches against Chelsea. He was was anonymous. But in this game, he had a lot of the ball. But unfortunately, he hasn't been in a position where he's had chances on goal. He's been pressing. He's been uh, getting stuck in. He's been holding up. He's doing everything apart from uh, having chances. And that's not his fault. It just hasn't dropped him. It's turned to Watkins. And I think in the last couple of games, chances that Watkins has had, Ings would have probably put away. Yeah, yeah, a couple of, certainly the, the couple at, um, at Old Trafford. And there was the, the, the big one at Chelsea. I think Ings, you'd fancy to put it away. But do you know what? 
as long as they're still, you know, inputting the game, you know, inputting to the game and contributing to the team, then you, you you don't mind too much. It's when you have, you know, strikers who are maybe not getting in the goals, but they're having a bit of a strop. I'll refer back to someone like a Codger, yeah, um, where he didn't give you anything outside the. Penalty I forgot area. about him. <laughs> yeah, but players like that. But yeah, just to give you some stats, uh, uh, Ings had forty three touches compared to uh, I think it was fourteen against Chelsea, which is more than McGinn. He had forty. Ramsey had thirty five. So you're talking about uh, somebody who is uh, is very much in the in the all round play. I mean, Watkins only had twenty five for all in. So uh, a good team effort from Ings, and this is something you know we brought Ings to score goals, but uh, in this case he was actually uh, I mean he was running around like a blue ass fly in terms of pressing. But when yeah. Buendia came on, I thought that was a sensible choice. But it also it, it did actually set up the uh, the Archer substitution in in many respects. It gave him, you know, gave Smith that license. No, you just think that that formation again it makes Villa's press a lot more even. I mean, in season yeah, last season especially, um, the press was well, it was Watkins. That was the only press he was carrying yeah. that cr- like he carried that cross yeah. all season. Yeah. Now you see it's like. Ings on one side, Watkins in the other. Watkins is only doing half the work of the press, or maybe two of them at once. So it's a lot more and effective. What, yeah, and one from midfield can join in. Then they don't all have to go as one, or you don't. You're not so conscious of you. You'd have to have Louise on a canvas sitting very deep. It just means you can actually be more solid and flat across the middle of the park, yeah. as opposed to when a one goes and teams can play through your lines quite easily. You know, Ramsey, especially if Ramsey joins in with the press, you've actually got you know Ramsey, Watkins, Ings, who will all get in and amongst a team's. Backline, and that's kind of where one of the big, the big Watkins chances came from by Villa pressing, put United under pressure, and obviously De Gea and uh, and their backline fucked up. And frankly, you know Watkins probably should have scored. Yeah, I think if Watkins goes on a little run, if he starts scoring, I mean, it's going to boost his confidence, and uh, then we go mm-hmm. on to another level. I think if you can get them both firing, we get scary. Then I think. Yeah, you get. That's when we get in a nosebleed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the interesting thing is like, you know, you look at the Chelsea performance and after that Chelsea performance, you know, you, the outsider will see 3-0 and uh, yeah, you know, business as usual, Villa, you know, whatever. But, you know, we know that game could have been so much different. Cut out the mistakes, take your chances. We win that game. The, the swing is not that big. And here we saw uh, people who say, oh, Ollie's under pressure. I'm sorry, but bef- last week they were talking about United as potential title contenders and we dealt with them uh, <laughs> reasonably comfortably, I thought. I mean, Martinez had probably two saves that he had to make, that you, but they were relatively routine. They were yeah. when you see the replays, you'd expect him to make them. I think if he doesn't, you'd be very disappointed. I thought he marshaled the back. I thought the back line dealt with everything that Manu threw at them really well. Yeah, I thought Hawes came in. I thought he played really well in the midweek game uh, against Chelsea in the cup. Played really well in the league game. I think he got man of the match, didn't he? And obviously, you know, he got gets the gets the winner with a brilliant header, which we'll come on to in a minute. But I thought the back line were really, really solid and they marshalled them well. I mean, the fact that, geez, in, in all our years of watching Villa against Man U when Ronaldo's been on the pitch, he's been the dominant force and normally the difference maker. He, he barely had a kick. Yeah, I mean, he was trying his drifting in from deep tactic, but, he didn't, but United really didn't have that much of sustained pressure or didn't really hit us with any real uh, counter-attacks with uh, menace and you know that's what kind of disabled him before we get to the goal uh, I mean what one moment which we were kind of laughing at, at the time was Ramsey when suddenly he found himself clean open with time yeah, in the penalty it. box and I think he shot himself that was my di- diagnosis <laughs> and then rolled over in a, in a heap <laughs> And he could have got up. He still had time to get up and do something with the ball. I think he went f- to, for saving face on social media and whatever before affecting the actual game because he was feigning injury. And he wasn't injured, was he? I mean, you wonder with things like that if he's maybe kicked the turf and has a little bit of a strain or something. But um, but he still had time to get up and do something. And that was, yeah. the, uh, that was the frustrating thing there. Yeah. He's done it a couple of times, hasn't he, as well? Yeah, he's he's against Chelsea as well. Fluffed his lines. Yeah, but I, I thought I thought he had a had a really good game, and um, but that's it. He he just needs that. He just needs that defining moment that almost triggers confidence in himself and the fans, and away he goes. Yeah, yeah I think a little bit like I remember when Lee Hendry got he started getting goals, and then he, he really pushed on. Yeah, but then he started to get that little arrogant streak, and thought, yeah, do you know what? I'm I'm the man here. Yeah, and to be honest, it actually reminds me a little bit of Lee Hendry in the way he plays because he's always busy and he's always he always wants to be involved. You, as you said, you're just waiting for that little bit of end product from him, and it'll 
You just, be, yeah, you just need to flick complete. the switch, and then you can officially write him down on the list as like a bonus player. Yep. Yeah. You know, most fans are thinking you need to sign this, sign that, sign that, and they forget about the, the players that come through. Yep. And, you know, they need a year of doing something before they actually consider them as the finished article. But, yeah, he's just he's just a goal or two away from actually being considered. Actually, he's one of our players and, you know, he's just saved us shitloads of money. I mean, you were longing for him to bury the one against Everton, weren't you, the week before? He yeah, yeah, yeah. off the defender and tried to whip it in the top corner. I think if that goes in, you're thinking, right, he's up and running now. Yeah, and it'll do him a world of good. And, you know, we said this about Keenan Davis, but this is uh, kind of a different thing because... We're not saying he needs to score all the time. He just he just needs that defining moment just to uh, give him that. It's almost like a jolt of confidence that he is the real deal. So you know, imposter syndrome is out the window. Yeah, a little bit like you know some of those new guys who've come in. They've all actually hit the ground running pretty quickly. You know, Bailey's come straight in and had an impact. Ings has had an impact straight away. Buendia's got a goal already and yeah. had an impact. It's that little uh, those little moments that just make you feel like yeah, I belong. Because yeah. you know, Ramsey will still be looking over his shoulder at Buendia going. I'm probably behind him in the pecking order, really. Yeah. Oh, shit. When that Morgan Sansong gets fit, finally. <laughs> oh, competition, David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, we haven't mentioned the goal yet. Very un-Villa at Old Trafford-like, wasn't it? Two minutes to go. According to uh, Hawes, uh, that was in the uh, the Vikings uh, set-piece playbook. McPhee. Nanny McPhee. Nanny McPhee, yeah. Hawes took over near post and he said as soon as it left his head he knew it was going in match of the day decided it's offside Alan Shearer said it shouldn't be though was it offside well I think Watkins is, he drifts into an offside position but in theory at the point it goes in actually he's not interfering with play yeah if the, Le- yeah, if the Leicester one hadn't happened the week before I don't think it would even have been mentioned because it's a bit like the one McGinn had ruled out against Arsenal the keeper wasn't getting near it I mean it doesn't matter yeah. where the player was yeah good point but but that moment, that wasn't the defining moment of the game, was it? That wasn't no. somehow wasn't even the most fun moment of the game because no, that Hawes nearly went from hero to zero, didn't he? Because that came uh, three minutes later when handball from Hawes, and I don't have any problems with that being a penalty. Actually, nah, that's a penalty all day. Of all long the long. Manchester United penalties in the last four games, including this one, that was probably the most legit of all of them. I got Mike Dean out of jail. Smith says it's harsh, but ah. it, it, that ball's going through to Pogba if if it doesn't hit his hand. So I, I don't have any problems with that. If that doesn't get given for you, you're raging. At the same time, though, you think, what kind of fucking world is this? Yeah. <laughs> what is this world that I live in? At this point, I'm t- typing a tweet about my sheer hatred for Man United. Is there no that justice got, in this got world? scrubbed very quickly. Yeah. The sound of bookmakers all over the country having to pay out when people backed United to get a penalty. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable it was so inevitable you know even when Villa looked like they've nicked a win which frankly they, I said earlier they should have been home and dry well before they even scored Villa to be frank but at that point when you get the goal you think surely this is our day now but they always say uh, reality is stranger than fiction and United getting a, f- a penalty for the fourth consecutive game and Fernandez taking the fourth consecutive p- penalty but this time this time he wasn't banking on Emmy. There was the galvanising of South American shithousery forces and oh, uh, Douglas <laughs> Louise. And the interesting thing is here, you have two winners, two winners, an Olympic champion, Copper America champion, no no other Villa player within that penalty box. Those two, two players who are now used to winning silverware. They expect to. Douglas Louise's uh, circumstance, it's goldware, never mind silverware. And uh, so they were doing everything they possibly could to uh, get into the mines. And, uh, you know, I think Louise was concentrating more on Mike Dean and and, and other United players while uh, Martinez was was going beyond the call of duty. He was yep. shit, shit house in Ronaldo like I've never seen. Like Ronaldo was never seen either. <laughs> he couldn't quite believe it. It was it was poetry in motion. That was like one of the greatest moments of being a Villa fan uh, for a very very long time because we've long remonstrated on this podcast, especially uh, Mr. Bud, how this team is potentially too much in the uh, image of its manager, like too nice. And here we are, the opposite end of the spectrum. Something that the the average uh, English football fan has hated: how these horrible foreign teams use all this unsportsmanlike conduct 
gamesmanship gamesmanship and uh, we lose to it in, in many international tournaments but here we are we are harnessing the power full power which we've we need the some, hip thrust we need something <laughs> like this to conquer united we need to use all the dark arts and uh, i mean it was beautiful seeing what we'd seen uh, in pre-season with emmy with argentina what he did against colombia was a, was of another level Oh, to have a microphone near him when he was doing this, by the way. And this was, you're talking about two of our nemesis, Fernandez and Ronaldo, and he's doing them both at the same time. And he, and he at gets. Old Trafford. <laughs> at Old Trafford. And he gets the better. In the last of them. minute. It's just, it's like Roy the Rover stuff if Roy the Rovers was a shithouse. <laughs> it's just perfect. And uh, that little, little shimmy at the end, which uh, I think Mikael Richards was saying, look at him, he's excited. He's not excited. He's reveling in his time. He's thinking exactly what you tweeted at that point. Yeah. Take your token penalty and fuck and off. Fuck off. <laughs> Stick that up the Stretford end, which yeah. I don't know if the ball's been returned yet, has it? It went so far into the upper, it went in the upper tier, didn't it? In terms of what we've witnessed as Villa fans, let's say the last, I don't know, two decades, late United equalisers and winners are part of course. It's in our DNA. So to get a late winner against them is like, oh, that's a bit of payback. But then you've got another level of the last three games, they've had a fucking penalty, Fernandez has scored. So that was like a massive cherry on the on the top to uh, take the lead. And then in injury time, which you know we, we know now against United as Fergie time, for them to get a penalty and then for them to miss, it just, you couldn't have dressed it up, wrapped it up any better. It's just perfect. It's perfect. So yeah. surely we're, we're title contenders now. <laughs> Gotta be. When we've broken Bruno Fernandez forever. Haven't haven't to take think the he'll social. Be on penalties, next time. No. Haven't I mean making a penalty taker that's only missed one and like twenty three penalties or something like that, having to take the social media to do a five paragraph apology to Man United fans, his head's gone. <laughs> he's yeah, he's broken forever. <laughs> He's just trying to justify himself to take the next penalty and not Ronaldo stamp all over his grave. He may, he may not even get in the pitch. Post-match, I think Solskjaer was kind of a bit desperado, preaching all the kind of things that United have been doing to teams uh, for a very, yeah, very long time. How dare they speak time. to the referee? Fuck off. Yeah. Like you haven't done that on a weekly basis. But the main thing was that Villa are doing it now and they're not playing... It's any any means necessary. It's something I've always maintained should be in the, the DNA of Villa because yep. we're in a world where there's Chelsea, Manchester City... Manchester United, Liverpool, you know, the the, uh, the decks are stacked. We're, we're not in a on a level playing field, so we've got to pull some tricks. We've got to uh, do the dark arts and any means necessary to uh, get where we want to be, and that's to be victorious in terms of silverware and uh, establishing ourselves. Yep. Why just turn up and finish mid-table every season? It's what we've said, isn't it? It's what we've said the last few years. You know, some years you know you you want to you want to be in the mix. That's the main thing for your football club. If you if your team can be in the mix and you can be competitive against these sort of sides, that's kind of all you ask. And Smith believes it clearly. I saw Courtney Hawes had said it after the game. They said, "No, we're Aston Villa. We expect this. We know we've got we've got good players as well as these. We know we think we can go toe to toe with anyone in this league." And that's the sort of thing you want your players coming out and saying after the game because I think the fans are starting to believe it as well now that they go, "Actually, yeah. do you know what? When teams come to Villa Park." We expect us to get on the front foot. And when we go to Chelsea, we'll give it a go. Now, we don't expect to win every time, but we expect to expect our team to be competitive and to sort of, you know, to, th- to throw some punches. We're not just going to cower in the corner like we've done in previous years. To boil it down into really simplistic Twitter terms, it's getting rid of that mentality that provokes the, uh, I'll take a draw in this, you know, the tweet that goes out that says, I'll take a draw in this game. It's, it, it can go in the same family as like, would you rather win a trophy or stay up? Stay up? Sky's the limit. We're going to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We're going to the Emirates. We're going to Anfield. We're going to try to win this game. And that's the bottom line. Simple as that. Yeah. And uh, that's where Villa should be. And uh, hopefully fans will start to buy into that. And, you know, it's not arrogance. But, and, you know, it's, there's always a, you know, traditionally is a brummy thing that we don't like to make a fuss and yeah it's uh, a self-deprecating thing but self-deprecating thing and we don't like to see cocky cockney bastards or manx and you know loud manx but you know it's a mentality thing it does help me mentality if you have it, it's all about confidence and uh belief and belief and if that comes off across as arrogance then so be it but it's it is belief and confidence and i think villa now and you know this is through the manager this is you know this this is the manager that was getting this bullshit that you know, certain outlets, and we mention them on Media Muppets now uh, weekly, have noticed that, oh, 
Oh, oh, oh! Villa have got to play unbeaten Everton. They've got to they've they've got to play Chelsea. They've got to play Manchester United. Then they're away to Spurs, and then they've got Manchester City pretty soon as well. Oh, it doesn't look like they're going to win many games here. And uh, you know, so we're going to write the Smith under pressure article. It's like fuck that. We've looked at you know we don't we're not looking at the fucking fixture list. We're just taking a game at the time and beating whatever's in front of us. And we dispatched Everton. Their only loss this season three nil. Beating Manchester United. Very deservingly. Chelsea, on, a, on another day, we might have got something from that. And we're very unlucky to get knocked out of the cup as well, lest we forget. But the bottom line is, within the last year, we have beaten every one of the Sky Six, and the Sky Six is Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City. Every one of them, apart from Manchester City, they're coming up soon. But within the last year, we've beaten them all and we've beaten Arsenal twice. And that this is something that hasn't happened for a long time. So this affects the mentality of the team, the belief of the team, and it also showcases the potential of where this can go. Now, the only thing is we've got to take business, we've got to take care of business at the other end of the, set, the uh, other end of the table. Yeah, yeah, you've got to start dispatching the teams that you should be now. But if you can beat your Uniteds, if you can beat your Liverpools, if you can beat your Chelsea's, you should be beating Watford. I mean, unfortunately, against Watford and Brentford, we had uh, compromises in terms of our f- first team, but uh, we're not making any judgments on the the start of this season. But going forwards, you know what you should be doing. And, you know, that's another mindset, isn't it? It's, it's all right having that mindset where you just really go for it against the top teams, but it's that... You've got to overcome the complacency and that belief that, oh, we should beat these. You know, when you play a lower team, it's it's the right thinking that you should beat them, but you've got to go out and do it. And having the quality and the patience to better break down a team that maybe doesn't want to throw the kitchen sink at you. And I think we do have that with some of the purchases we've bought. We've, you know, the Ings. Bailey, Buendia, et cetera, I think. Yeah, Ings, Buendia, Bailey give you that potential now so it'll be interesting to see how this pans out uh i think that's all we've we, we've got to say about the united game really uh i think so yeah just but, see, see if we're at them. but the bottom line is it's not so much about the game it's it's an indication of where we can go and what could happen and uh, that was the most exciting thing for me uh yeah as you know as well as being the manx it's a great it's great to put a marker down early-ish in the season and go okay this is where this is where we can be Right, give me a key stat, the stat of the game. Phil Shaw. Where do you start? Ronaldo had never been in the losing side in 12 league games against Villa, so this was unlucky 13 for him. Only had one win in the previous 45 games. That was <laughs> shocking, that. <laughs> that was Gabby's one. And um, Chris, you found out from Villa, the first team to keep a clean sheet against a Man United side, including Ronaldo, since Barcelona won the Champions League final in 2009. Now he left after that, but still, it's cracking stab. When did he leave? Uh, he left after that Champions League final, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he fucked off. <laughs> yeah, so it's not. It's one of those stats that they pull out, and you realise actually, for ten years he didn't play. For, what more than ten years? Twelve years. But yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, right before we uh, head off, uh, let's have a burning question. Uh, I think this is kind of a simple one, really. It's really a, just a selection yeah. problem. Would you drop Courtney Hawes for the trip? to Spurs because obviously before this game we'd be playing uh, Axel Twinzebi in a formation that I would expect them to play against Spurs to be honest yeah I I wouldn't no no neither would I because I think what more has he got to do to stay in the team you can't argue with going to Old Trafford well you can't argue you went away and dealt with Lukaku really well if you remember in the cup game yeah and, and played well in that in that match as well he's gone to Old Trafford and been part of a, a back line that's kept a clean sheet against a Let's be frank, a pretty world class attacking lineup. Yeah. They were misfire on the day, but whatever. And he scored the winners. He's thinking, if I can't keep my place in the team after this, do I even have a future here? So you probably ha- you have to keep him in the team. Phil, would you uh, start him against Spurs? Yeah, no, no question of it. I mean, at the end of the day, he belongs to us. He's our player. So there's that element as well. It's, I mean, yeah. Twan Zebe could end up with us. You know, he's been on the loan with us so many times. Maybe we'll get to keep him soon. But. At the minute, the Hawes is our player, so you know that, that has to count for something, especially when he's playing. And you, just, so well. and you just have to say that Twanzebe, that you know, if, if Hawes comes in and he takes his opportunity, that's just unlucky on Twanzebe. Twanzebe's done nothing wrong. I actually, I've been really impressed with him since he's come into the side. I thought he was really good against in the uh, in the Everton game, yeah. and I thought he played well against Chelsea in the cup. But he couldn't play against Manu, and for whatever reason, Hawes has come in. He's taken his chance. You have to hold your hands up and go, okay, he's got the shirt for now. I have seen other uh, supporters uh, saying. 
exactly what Phil's just said there, that if he's your player, then uh, that's where, who you should be investing in and, uh, you know, he should start for it's that fair, reason. It's a, it's a fair argument. Yeah. Right, before we uh, leave you, I just want to give a massive shout-out to the Mailman Said patrons. Uh, thank you very much for uh, supporting the show and uh, special thanks for the new uh, members of our uh, mom squad. Uh, thanks to uh, Jake Ajala, Nick Price Thompson. Oh, it's good to get some uh, hyphenated names in there. We'll be like the uh, the Villa under 23s before you know it. Who's good at pronouncing Swedish and Norwegian names? Asger Jeteland. Yep, that, I think that passes. And Anders Breland. Thank you very much uh, for signing up. Oh, and also uh, thank you very much to Dan Clinton, who has uh, signed up uh, from... Uh, monthly to an annual subscription so uh, thanks to dan for that if you uh, sign up uh, as a annual member you save uh, two months which is 15 percent off so please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link there and uh, find out more details about match club and uh, the extra which was great this weekend i might add oh for united yeah it was very good mm-hmm. which, so and as well as match club uh, it there uh, is also my own man said extra podcast channel where you will get exclusive extra podcasts dropping as well with more to come this week please do go to my own man and click on the patron link and also don't forget to follow the podcast and whatever podcast app you follow this on and uh, follow us on Twitter as well on at myomansaid.com. Right, uh, can we do a double back-to-back away wins against Spurs, United and Spurs? Oh, that would be a big, uh, I think it's on. Be a big statement, wouldn't I think it? It's on like Donkey Kong. I think as soon as I put out that tweet about uh, who's more likely to win, Usyk and or Villa, and they both won. Usyk won at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. If he can do it, I think we can do it as well. So uh, until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.